Hi everyone, welcome to the Throwback Bookstack podcast. I am one of your hosts, Kelly. And I'm Emily. And if you haven't listened to our podcast before, every two weeks we reread a book that we first read as kids and we go back and look at it through the lens of being an adult. And now that we're in our 30s, we're able to look back on the books, see how they influenced us, and sort of judge a little bit about how we turned out based on these weird, weird books that we read as kids. Um, this week we are reading Emily Cheney Neville's book, It's Like This Cat. It's a book about cats. It won the Newbery Medal in 1964. It was published in 1963. And it's a book about cats. So and boys! <laughs> boys and cats. Boys who own cats. And New York City. It's like New York is the third character. <laughs> yeah. New York is a character in this book. Thank you for pointing this out early on. Uh. Um... So as I said, uh, this book was published in 1963. It won the Newbery Medal in 1964. And kind of one of the interesting things about this book is it was really one of the early books that was a YA book, a book meant for teens that really had a very strong sense of realism. It was one of the sort of really early on YA, very realistic, grounded, down-to-earth, slice-of-life style books. And it's a delight. I read this as a kid. Oh, is that my cue? Yeah. I did not... And I have not ever heard of this book, ever. I've never seen it. <laughs> I've never heard of it. When you told me about it, I was so struck by the title that my first note when I like I wrote down in my notebook like the books we're reading and then I leave a space to write notes about the book. And my first note was from a time when people didn't care about book titles. That's hurtful. <laughs> it's a weird title. I it's mean, a weird it's title. Just... But no, I had never even heard of it. So this book was a book I read as a kid. This was a book I owned as a kid. This was a book that I read many times as a kid. I was very into cats. I'm still very into cats. And so when I was a kid and go to the library, what I would do is I'd go up to the card catalog, take the entire C section out, go through the whole section under cat and read every single book in the library that had to do with cats. That was like my strategy in elementary school for how I got through a huge chunk of the libraries. I literally checked out every single cat-related book they had. All of them, Emily. I did not. Every book on aliens, every book on cats. I don't know what that says about me, that those are the two, but those were the two things I read all of. Dragons hmm. came a little later. I don't think I ever looked up things in the card catalog by subject, <laughs> unless it was for school. Like, I maybe looked up I can't even think of what I look. I mean, I know I'd use the card catalog, but no, I mostly just wandered shelves. I was like, maybe I looked up authors, and I was like, no, because I know how alphabets work, so I just probably looked to the, like walked to where their name would be. And that doesn't work if your goal is to read every single book about cats. Right. I guess I, what I'm saying is that was never ever my goal. <laughs> so yet I... another way we differ. <laughs> so different. So I loved this book. To me, it was. An adventure. I mean, I had never been in New York. New York was a very far away, impossible place for me as a kid. I am from the West Coast. New York wasn't a thing. So for me, reading about something that was very, it's very much a historical piece. It's very much like the 60s. It's very not my lived experience. I don't ha have a context for it. It's this boy and his cat and they're having adventures and it's great. Like I found this such like a cheerful light-hearted, joyous book in my life that it was like that comfort read when you're like, you know, I want to power through a book pretty quick. And in this case, it's just a boy and his cat having adventures, Emily. Oh, yeah. I think when you were describing it to me when I said, what? The first time you said the title, 
because it sounded like you had just forgot the title and were saying a sentence. You were like, yeah, it's like a, it's like a fancy boy and his cat having adventures. And I said, a fancy boy? I mean, when I was a kid, he felt so much more worldly than me. I mean, this was a kid who went off and like took the ferry by himself and jaunted down to the cinema to see a movie with a girl and like had all these like fun adventures. I was like, man, that boy is so much more fancy and higher higher living than me. He's he knows the world. That boy's seen some things. Yes, the Staten Island ferry sure is fancy. <laughs> I read this in, like, third grade. What do you want from me? Uh, uh, a summary. Let's summarize this. <laughs> so, as I said, this is a story of Dave, who is a boy who lives in New York and gets a cat specifically to annoy his father because his father believes a boy should have a dog and that a dog gives you character. Um, And it's a really a slice-of-life sort of book where it goes through him and his adventures with his cat, who is named Cat. He loves Cat. He takes Cat many places. And along the way, um, like, Cat gets lost at one point and he goes and finds some cat has gotten into a building and there's someone trying to burgle the building at the same time where he meets Tom Ransom who is sort of on a dare going and sort of to make a little bit of money going to rob this basement. He ends up you know in some trouble with the law for it but when he gets out Dave helps him get back on his feet and it's about the sort of the relationships he forges with his friends his friend Nick um, and their experience sort of traveling around having a good time with Cat and they meet these girls and sort of his relationship then with one of the girls who likes Cat and they hang out together and he has his first sort of real spark of romance with uh, her Mary and then also he meets this boy Ben and they have sort of adventures so it's really I mean not really a plot per se it's basically a year in his life with Cat and just these different characters that surround them um there's Kate who is a woman who lives down the street who is a bit of a recluse except for her cats she's the one that he gets Cat from in the first place and she's a constant figure in his life but then eventually she, uh, her brother dies she inherits a bunch of money and sort of his family helps out with that. But it's really just about him forging relationships with Tom and sort of their adventures together and Tom's reclamation of his life from an NYU dropout who's had a lot of struggles um, and has a complicated relationship with his father to being close with Dave and his family and Tom sort of becoming close to Dave's father and how they've helped him out to the point where, you know, Tom's going to marry his girlfriend Hilda in the end and it's very exciting for them. And his friendship with Ben and sort of how that relationship helps out in his life. And sort of it's just him and his cat and his friends and sort of also him having a new relationship with his father. He and his father are very adversarial because they are very alike. Um, and so sort of them coming to a place where they're a little more comfortable with each other and they sort of understand each other a little better by the end of the book. His father learns to respect his space a little more and accept Cat. And he learns to appreciate a little more of the good things in his father. While his father is tough on him, Tom and some of the others in his life are able to sort of help give framework for the fact that his dad really does care about him. And a lot of this comes from a place of love that he's trying to push uh, Dave to be what he views as better. So it's just a boy and his cat in New York. And the other character is New York. It's about his relationship with this city and the things they see and the adventures they have. And it's it's a delightful, relaxing, slice-of-life enjoyment book. Yeah, yeah, it is, Emily. Okay, first off, I didn't say anything bad about it yet. So. You made faces, and I can see them because we're in the same room. Well, I did make faces at you talking about New York. I have a different relationship with New York. Because you weren't there in 1963 with a cat. Uh, I guess that's true. You got me there. 
Yeah, I mean, one of my other notes I took on this book, I wrote also from a time when people wrote books about nothing, which is not exactly a criticism. But yeah, that's kind of what this book is. Like you said, it's about like him growing and learning these things about his dad and forging these relationships and stuff. But yeah, it's also just kind of like a book about nothing. And I wrote it's this... a book about a boy and his cat. Right. So I stand by my statement. <laughs> The cat, I would like to say, is not in it as much as you would think for a book that's supposedly about this cat. Most of his adventures do not involve the cat. But the cat is often the catalyst for a lot of these things. Like, the cat is often why he meets these people. The cat is sort of the starting point for a lot of them. Sure. Um, no, I actually... You can't take a cat everywhere. It's very difficult. They establish throughout the book the difficulties of traveling with cats. Yes, they establish well the difficulties <laughs> of traveling with cats in a wicker basket. <laughs> And that places don't like you to bring in a yowling basket. No, I feel like, I mean, I actually did like this book. Yes. So I feel like you're getting defensive about nothing. Because you gave me so much shit about how much you do want to read a book about a cat. Um, well, to be fair, I did read this book right after reading, I won't say which one, but a different book that I did not like. <laughs> so this book was kind of a palate cleanser for me. And I also, I mean, this isn't a book I think I will ever reread, but it was like a charming and quick read. It was fine. You know, I was more charmed, I think, by a lot of, like, the physical book than the story, I think. Mm -hmm. Like, um, it has these illustrations that I was in love with. Um, the cover on mine is very period. Um, you know, I'm charmed by a good period piece in general, so, like... I did like, you know, some of the dialogue and stuff and all the old-timey slang that they used. He gets very upset about his Belafonte record being disrespected by his father. It's very good. Right? I even liked, you know, like in mine, it had the old-timey, like, library. It's a library book, so it had, like, the stamp still with, like, all the dates stamped that people have checked it out. I liked the, like, inside cover. I even, for some reason, read the author biography at the end and the about the artist, and I liked both of them. I was like, these are charming <laughs> summaries. I read the, like, descriptions on the back from, like, reviews, and I liked that as well. So, like, I was, I was very charmed by the book as a whole. Mm -hmm. I think uh, the story was, again... I get what it was doing, but yeah, I really, it was a story about nothing to me. I was like, yeah, boy, grows, learns dad, real person, meets new hoodlum friend. Like, also, what is with these books being, like, you know what boys are gonna do? Make friends with people they think are bandits and burglars. <laughs> like, That's the, yeah, that was the interesting point also, was we already read My Side of the Mountain where the response to meeting someone you think is a burglar is, I'm going to befriend them. And now we have another case of, Oh man, this person's breaking into a building. I'm definitely going to ask him his name and find out how to talk to him, but I'm going to mail him a letter in jail because we should be new BFFs. Yeah, it was really weird. I was like, so Stranger Danger definitely didn't exist before like 1987? Like, <laughs> no, it didn't. Uh, before we get too far, I, I want to read some of these reviews. I would love that. It says, this is superb. The best junior novel I've ever read about big city life. Which I liked because I like that before they had the word, like, YA, they just said it was a junior novel. <laughs> this says, a fine, honest, flavorful tale. That's the whole quote. It just seems really, like... <laughs> I think it's accurate, though. I, I do think it's accurate, but just, like, it seemed like an editor with a cigar in the office wrote that <laughs> while he was <laughs> smoking it. 
This one I thought was funny because it starts out and just says, Good. Here's a nice change from books for boys that are set in an idyllic countryside, hardly known to many of them. The conversation is modern teenage but never phony. A completely satisfying book. Also true, and I, uh, like I said, I'm always charmed by both a period piece and a city piece. You know I don't like my nature books. I know. <laughs> um, Look, I gave you a book in a city. See how much I care? But I also just like that they included the one word sentence of good. <laughs> Thanks, Christian Science Monitor. Now I know this book is good. <laughs> I'm sad because I couldn't find my original copy. It's at home in my parents' garage somewhere, as all good things are. Um, I should just sneak in there and take it. But I, so I have a 90s edition I got from the library that does not have the drawings in it, which is deeply upsetting for me because I find the like line drawing art very, very delightful as well. Yeah, this also, it's a book where, so it's basically just at the beginning of every chapter, it has an illustration, you know, much like Harry Potter or something. I wouldn't know. I've never read Harry Potter. That's right. But it's a, you know, it's a concept that's not, it's not like this is a picture book. Yeah. But each... Each chapter has a picture with it, and they're all in this very sketchy, wonderful 60s style. Um, sketchy like sketched out, not sketchy like sketchy. Yeah. It kind of reminded me a little bit of the style from the Egypt game, honestly. Mm -hmm. I should look up if this artist has done other ones. I did not. His about the artist. His name is Emil Weiss. As I said, I was reading all this. <laughs> it says, Emil Weiss was born in Czechoslovakia. He studied architecture in Vienna before coming to the United States. In this country, Mr. White became a freelance artist and illustrated many books for children. I don't know why, but that very vague, tiny <laughs> description really enchanted me. I was like, I want to know more about him. Like, in this country. Why did he stop architecture? Like, what's going on? Like, <laughs> We need to find an interview with him is what you're saying. I just really want to know more. Anyway, so clearly there is something about the book itself <laughs> as a thing that delighted me. But yeah, I did. I mean, it's a period piece. It's good. Oh, the dedication <laughs> was to to Midnight, and then it has, in quotes, Mayor of Gramercy Park. I have so many questions I want to know about this person. Right? Um, or cat. It might be a cat. Because yeah. Because the years are 1954 and 1962, which makes me think it's a, a oh, creature. That would make sense. I didn't even read the years. I hope it's a cat. I want more books to be dedicated to cats. Maybe those are just the years he was mayor. You knew this about me. This is from the child department. <laughs> <laughs> like, one thing I really love about this book is Dave, the main character, is such a strong voice. Like, this is so very, 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 very in his voice, and it's such a l strong use of his his sound like there's you can tell him from the other characters very cleanly and the narrative is so completely him in a way that i just it makes the whole book feel very charming like you're totally immersed in his world he's just living his life having these adventures you know they just he goes to the aquarium he goes to the zoo it's all very relaxing but you really i think feel immersed in like what it was like to live that life and i think the one thing i loved about rereading it was it reminded me a lot of being a kid, even if I didn't have that kind of freedom because I was post-Stranger Danger, of, you know, like those summers where you had this free time and you were able to just go see your friends and, you know, having been the pre-cell phone generation, the drama of having to call someone when your quarter's running out, except here it's a dime. Uh, and oh, yeah. They talk about prices in this book a lot, by the way, and they make your soul hurt. Yeah. <laughs> And there's a lot of, you know, the complication of trying to, to meet up with a girl and not really get her phone number, but find a way to meet up with her. And I'm like, 
This is all very real. So it's just like a charming, charming experience of just what it was like to remember what it was like to be young and have a summer and just go out with your friends and live a life. And I also just loved his relationship with his cat because a boy and his cat is not the traditional story we get. Um, and it was just he loved his cat. He was a boy who loved his cat and prioritized his cat and met a nice girl and made friends. And that's nice. That's nice. It's relaxing. Like, I wanted to just sit out on a lawn and read this with, like, a lemonade and just feel those summer rays coming into my my soul. Yeah, I mean, it was an easy read. Like you said, I also liked, like, his voice and his way of looking at things. Like, it was very clearly him. He's funny, but not, like, too funny. Like, I didn't, like, laugh out loud. But he's just, like, you know, says, like, sassy things a lot. I liked the other characters a lot. I obviously did not care about the cat as much as you. Sorry. But I really did like his dad. <laughs> yeah, I relate to his dad a lot more this time around, as per usual with adults in books that I am now rereading as adult. Yeah, his dad is really, like, I mean, his dad clearly cares and, like, isn't perfect. Like, has a little bit of a, like, temper about things. Not, like, in a bad way, but just, like, in a way where, like, they clash when he, like, you know, little arguments get out of control, kind of. He says things like, oh, we're switching the TV program, and then Dave, like, fights back, and it turns into, like, a big thing. And it's like, you're right, that feels real. Like, that feels like the kind of clashes teenagers have with their parents. Or especially the thing where you're annoyed at your parent, and then they make a joke and laugh at you because they think the fact that you're annoyed is funny. I'm like, oh, cool, my childhood is here. But, like, his dad is, I don't know, I liked him, and I thought he was funny, and, like, for instance, when Dave first starts seeing this girl, and it's, you know, that weird age where they're, like, not really dating, but he, like, likes her, and, like, it's kind of, like, figuring that out, and he has that weird reaction of being almost embarrassed about it, and, like, tries to hide what's going on from his parents for a while, and when his dad finds out, because they keep being like, well, where are you going? Who are you going with? You're going to the movies alone? Like... And interrogating him, and when he finally, like, finds out, like, his dad, like, does kind of laugh at him, but not, like, in a mean way, but just, like, oh, this makes sense, yeah, okay, have fun playing golf, or, like, <laughs> like all this stuff. His friend at the beginning of the book, Nick, who he kind of drifts away from, because I just don't have the same, like, you know, like, friends do, they're just not, it doesn't work for them anymore. Especially when they're, mo they're really friends by proximity in a lot of ways, because they live close together, and that's kind of, a, and that's, I think, really real to sort of how you make friends at that age, is... Someone is close to you, but at some point, you know, things maybe aren't the same and you start drifting. Right. Um, and so at one point, like, Nick and Dave go to the movies together. It's a double date that Nick set up and Dave does not want to go on and is, like, upset about the whole thing and is, like, dragged to the movies and then has to, like, pay for this girl's ticket even though he doesn't want to go with her or doesn't like her. And then they're, like, making fun of him the whole time, kind of teasing him. And this whole night just is terrible for him. And at the end, when they're walking home, like, something just pushes them over the edge. And him and Nick get into a fight and, like, end up, you know, like, punching each other and, like, ripping each other's shirts and stuff. And he goes home and he looks terrible. And he expects, like, his mom and dad to get mad at him. But his dad looks at him and they had gone to see, like, a horror movie. And he's like, Pop just whistles through his teeth. That must have been quite the horror picture, he says. <laughs> I like his dad. Again, I'm reading this as an adult, so I'm just like... And I don't think I appreciated as much when I was a kid. Like, his dad goes out of his way to help his friend that, as far as he knows, is a convict and really helps Tom turn his life around and get a job and really helps him out with a lot of situations. He becomes a surrogate father to him, which now as an adult, I appreciate what a wild move that was when your son's like, oh yeah, I just met this guy. 
he was in jail. I'm not giving you any information about how I know him, really. <laughs> yeah, he helped me find my cat. No more details. As an adult now, I'm like, we can see the blank space. Like, the negative space around a child's story is where the story is told. <laughs> There's also a weird storyline going on with his, the woman he calls Aunt Kate, who is, like, his neighbor, who, like, has kind of a rep as, like, basically the crazy cat lady. Like, she always just has tons of cats in her house. And that's, again, where he gets his cat. And she's, like, kind of a known as an eccentric. Like, all she basically does is go out and buy food for her cats, walk around with her cats, and, like, go home. But, like, Dave really likes her. Like, he goes over and has tea with her and, like, talks to her. It's really sweet. And, like, he introduces her to his mom. And his mom, I think, is just kind of, like, lonely and cooped up. So, like, his mom really takes to her and is like, you should come over and have tea at my place. The mom is someone I find so fascinating because there's so much said and not said. Like, she's not... Super on Dave's radar, except in the sense of sort of her making sandwiches for him and her sort of helping him, which I think is kind of real to when you're a kid and your mom is like the person who helps you with things. But also like, there's this whole thing where she has asthma and there's concern about her, them having a cat because she has asthma. But in fact, she only seems to have attacks when Dave and his father are fighting. So she's having anxiety. That's the actual concern. And so they, you know, eventually try to be nicer to each other to try and help her out. But like, just you see her as someone in, I think, a situation where she is lonely and she is struggling and it's kind of come through in really weird places. And so, yeah, when she becomes friends with Kate, it's just so nice because you're like, oh, I, I, Dave's mom, I really want you to have this. Yeah. I mean, there's also the part where one of his friends comes over and they like bug his mom about they're going out and can you make us sandwiches? Dave makes her put spaghetti, like cold spaghetti on the sandwich. And she's like, okay, if you're sure. And they're leaving, and his friend is like, Tom is his friend, is like, your mom is so cool, basically. He doesn't use those words. He uses old-timey words. And Dave is kind of, like, taken aback, like, oh, yeah, I mean, I guess I never thought of that. (laughs) Yeah. I think he learns to appreciate his parents throughout the book, which is great. Right. Also, at the end, they get more kittens, because they sort of take in two of the the older kittens at Kate's, um, so the landlord doesn't bother her about that. And so, and the mom really loves the kittens and feeds them saucers of cream. But my original point (laughs) was about Kate, Yeah, which is that she's just this kind of weirdo that, like, is over there, and again, like, the form of how Dave gets the cat, but it almost goes into a plot line with her, where, like, at one point, she, like, inherits all this money from her dead, estranged brother. There's, like, TV reporters and stuff, and, like, everything freaks out, and, like, she's obviously, like, hates it and doesn't want this attention or the money, and, like, one of the reporters accidentally kills a kitten. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, these, like, four pages of, like, oh, is this what this was leading up to? Is something crazy? Like, are all their lives going to change because of this? And it's basically, like, and then people forgot about it and she got rid of all the money. <laughs> well, fair. no, it did sort of end. So, first, one thing I want to mention is, of all my memories of the book, I viscerally remember that kitten dying. Like, that was actually one of the visceral memories I have of this book. Because as a kid, I was just deeply traumatized that this photographer stepped on a kitten. Yeah, it's a very disturbing scene. The reporter steps on the kitten. Yeah. And basically, like, kills it, but it's not quite all the way dead. So Kate, like, picks it up and, like, wrings its neck so that he doesn't sit there, like, in misery, slowly dying. But, like, the whole thing happens in one paragraph. And it's like, what? Just, like, from a story where it's, like, normally just, like, this dude walking around the beach or like eating sandwiches and then it's like this weird shockingly violent one paragraph like i said this is kind of a book about nothing and it was just like a weird part where it was like it almost went to this big plot line 
Well, but they, then they just kind of dropped it again. It was like, they and then do, the status they quo They do tail back. off, though, at the end. Like, they mention that, you know, they're discussing what she's going to do with the money because they're like, oh, hey, you know, when you die, you can donate it to, cat, like, cat rescue or something to help more cats. And she mentions how she wants to donate some of the money to Children's Aid because there's a lot of stray kids around New York, too, and she wants to take care of them, too. And, you know, Dave realizes, oh, maybe Kate's also learning to care about people. And I think that there's, like, that's kind of the nice thing about this book is I feel like all the characters go through growth. But it's never dramatic. It's a lot like in your life. Like, I don't think most people live a, you know, urban fantasy lifestyle where they're having these big dramatic adventures that change their life all the time. People do. But a lot of time the change in your life is, you know, something happens and you realize, oh, I do care about this. And, oh, you know, this does matter. And it's it's not apparent to the people around you. Your internal growth comes through in these small ways like that. So I think... You know, it was it, it was kind of a nice note on that. It definitely did seem like they were leading up to a thing that didn't really happen, but I think that's kind of how this book goes, is there's build-up, and then you realize life isn't always dramatic. I guess my problem with that is that that's true, and a lot of people don't have these big dramatic things, but I also don't want to read a book about most people's lives. You don't so... like Slice of Life anime at all, do you? Oh, God, I mean, I've never watched any, but that sounds terrible. I'm going to make you watch the show about the adorable girls who go camping and learn about friendship. You're absolutely not. Like, what? How on earth would you manage to force me to watch that? There's always a way. There's, no, that's not happening. I'm not watching that. Uh, I always thought I was the high strung one of the two of us, and I'm suddenly shifting that, like, center of gravity. I feel like you are actually much more high strung than me. I don't know if I'm high strung. I like shows where things happen <laughs> um I like books about cats i know uh there's a part in this though where so kate is like obsessed with eating cottage cheese yeah like, playing cottage cheese you know what really grossed me out about that was like okay i'm not one to eat a bowl of cottage cheese in the first place but like you do you whatever i get it i eat some things people think are gross but she eats it with tea and yeah. that really grossed me out for some reason like, mmm, hot tea and cold cheese. Ooh, I don't like it. And then it gets worse because if someone were to tell you, like, think of something really disgusting, like a food that you could make easily with only a few ingredients that's all white and is very gross. <laughs> I still don't think I could come up with something as gross as this, which is that his mom starts to also eat cottage cheese. But she puts mayonnaise on top of it. Yeah, that is pretty gross. I just want to say, as someone who did live in New York, uh, Dave really likes Coney Island, and I agree. And he's like, lots of people hate it, because it's, like, literally trashy. Like, it's full of, like, billboards and people's trash and (laughs) broken down rides and stuff. And he's like, I just like it. And I was like, yeah, me too, dude. We're on the same page there. I'd go to Coney Island with you. I mean, maybe not as often as you go, because it was very far away from where I lived in New York, but... It's fair. It's pretty far away from where he lives, too. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely a journey for him. Um, they also have, as someone who lived in New York, so I obviously love talking about subway lines, and which way is the most direct one, and which one to take, so I was all into those conversations. Or, like, just walk across the island instead of taking the bus. I think the subways have changed a lot since this was written. I, yeah, they have. I guess I never realized that. There's so much about transit you can learn from this book. See? Transit education. Yeah, there's a lot of their life that involves, like, bus fare and stuff. Yeah, which, I mean, is true, though, because, like, then that's your way of getting around. Like, that is your major concern is how do I get from point A to point B? How do I conserve, you know, 
It's 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 a reasonable day-to-day situation. I would also like to say, growing up, I had a striped tabby named Cat. Oh, I did not like the name Cat. I know he it's explains it. It's a good name it. for a cat. That's pretty much why our cat was named Cat. My father named our cat. Its name was Cat because it was a cat. Why would you name it not Cat? I don't know. I'm My dad's strategy for naming cats. We had cats like Cat, Black Cat, Gray Cat. um this just reminds me that this is one of my favorite stories to tell about my mom so my mom is like really allergic to cats Mm -hmm. and so for that reason she doesn't like them because like if they come near her she gets like hives and has to take medicine and it's bad you know and one time in our backyard like this cat came and had kittens in the backyard Mm -hmm. so the backyard was full of cats (gasps) and my mom was calling and complaining about it and she was like they just pop up everywhere like popcorn i'll be trying to mow the lawn and all these kittens will be jumping up around me (laughs) and she's like i was like this is really funny and she's like and every time i complain about it no one else seems to think this sounds like a problem and i was like well you're describing it very cutely (laughs) um and she was like Oh, there's just so many. There's one of every color. There's like an orange one and a black one and a polka dot one. And I was like, an orange one? And I was like, is it like orange or is it like yellow or like, like what kind of cat is this? And she goes, Emily, it's cat colored. That's <laughs> <laughs> my favorite. Like I quote that to my siblings all the time now. Like, I'm always like, well, you know what mom says. It's cat color. <laughs> we oh. are, I was from a stray cat adopting people. My dad is like the stray animal whisperer. Like, he likes to sit on his porch now up in the mountains and like deer come up and sit next to him. I've seen like raccoons just chilling on porches next to my father. He's basically a Disney princess when it comes to like stray animals befriending him. So something else that happens in this book in the 1960s New York is that if children are allowed into a movie theater at all mm-hmm. they are corralled into a children's section yeah why don't we still do this and some theaters just don't let them in they're just like no we don't sell tickets to kids <laughs> they tried to go see west side story and it was a whole affair uh that wasn't a movie though was oh no, no that was that only was go play. see the play yeah. yeah sorry i thought that was brilliant though i was like why did we drop this this was such a good idea yeah I would love it if there was a children's section to move. Can you imagine? And by children, it's under 16. I think we could up it to under 18. Yeah. That just sounded fantastic. That Like, I know we're supposed to identify with him when he goes to the snobby movie theater and they're like, I'm sorry, we don't sell tickets to children. But I was all like, yeah, <laughs> get out of here, kid. I was like, I bet they serve like bourbon and like snifters and like you can just sit there smoking a cigar in the movie theater. I mean, I think it was even like a Disney movie or something. Like, yeah. We don't cater to children. <laughs> that was fun. I was like, why did we drop that? <laughs> what a great tradition. Um, yeah, at one point they definitely go see West Side Story on a whim, which I thought was charming. You don't see like nowadays it's so like. It's such a thing that, like, the only guys who like musicals are gay. That mm-hmm. it was nice just to see a dude just be like, yeah, we saw this musical. It was amazing. He immediately went out to go get the album. <laughs> yeah, like, I bought the record. It also, like, is a joke that I think it was intentional, talking about how he really loved that. And he's like, it wasn't like that Shakespeare thing I one time tried to see where you couldn't understand what was happening. Which is funny, since it's, like, based on a Shakespeare play. Yeah. And also, at one point, he takes Tom to an army surplus store, which Tom is kind of, like, skeptical at first, and then is like, there's so much good stuff here. 
And, like, he's right. Army stores are amazing. Are very great. <laughs> Y'all should go. So that was, like, a fun tip. Oh, what else? Lots of Subway news. Um, so at first, so he makes friends with this guy, Tom, who he meets trying to break into a building and stuff. As you do. And they become friends, and Tom joins some sort of work program thing, I think, mm-hmm. that I didn't quite understand, because it's not really explained, and I also didn't care. There's something called a youth board that they have to talk to and report to and stuff. Anyway, so he, the youth board gets in this job, but it's all the way down in Brooklyn at, like, a gas station. And so their way of communicating when he lives far away is that they send each other postcards, which is really Which is amazing. Really funny. And also, like, this is the life we used to all live. Like, I mean, not even just, like, there was no cell phones, but it wasn't even as common just to, like, call and chat. Yeah. Like, on a landline. Also, his postcards he sends are really funny, I think. Like, this one says, um, Dear Dave, the guy I work for is a creep. And all the guys who buy gas from him are creeps. So it's great to be alive in beautiful Brooklyn. (laughs) Wish you were here, but you're lucky you're not. (laughs) It's like, that's actually a really great postcard. Oh, that's such a good postcard. (laughs) Yeah, Brooklyn. (laughs) I also don't care for Brooklyn, so sorry (laughs) everyone out there who loves Brooklyn. There is one thing I am trying to visualize and I've never figured out how to visualize. So at one point, his cat, like, they're going on vacation and he brings the cat with him because, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and the cat jumps out the window of the car because they roll down the windows because it's hot. Um, and he chases the cat down and, like, some kids try and attack him. And um, I grab cat hard about the only place you can grab a cat around one upper forearm and I really run. The kids let out another war whoop. It's uphill to the bridge. Cat gets his free forepaw into action, raking my chest and arms with his claw out. Then he hisses and bites, and I nearly drop him. Panning so hard, I can't hardly breathe anyway. H- how is that the one place you can grab a cat? Like, I'm, like, I've picked up a lot of cats. Like, you grab them by the scruff, like, you grab them around the cat. Like, grabbing a cat by, like, the upper leg does not seem like a good way to carry a cat when you're running. Like, you I've grab heard it's the, the only place to grab a no, cat. No, <laughs> it's not. You grab, like, there's so many other ways to grab a cat. And you just, you put it up against your chest and you run. Yeah, I've heard that expression. There's more than one way to grab a cat. <laughs> just that seems like a very difficult way. You scruff the cat, if nothing else. Sure. Grab by the scruff of the neck. No, I get you. I've never done that. But I've seen it done in, like, The Lion King. Have you been around a cat? <laughs> yeah. I lived with a cat. All in college. Okay. He was real dumb. Oh. Real dumb. I love dumb cats. Oh, he was so dumb. Oh, I love dumb cats. They're always so precious. He used to fall off the couch a lot because he had no sense of, like, yeah space. And then yeah. he'd always look at me like, why did you push me off the couch? And I was like, I am literally <laughs> four feet away from you. Cat was gaslighting you. And he would, like, no, he loved me. He would, like, follow me around in the morning when I would get ready. Aww. And he would follow so close that if I stopped walking, he would run into me. It's <laughs> like, you're not smart, bro. His kitty. I liked him. Yeah, I love cats. I don't dislike cats. I hope you enjoy recording this podcast when I someday get a cat. Had to pick up a cat by its scruff. Oh. There's a lot of situations where you very quickly need to get a cat up. Yeah, I don't think I've ever been in that situation. I'm actually pretty good with cats. When my friend had to house sit for a cat, he would always bring me with him because he didn't know how to play with cats, is what he always said. 
I understand that because I don't know. That's me and dogs. Like, I don't know how to interact with dogs or how to play with dogs or what to do with dogs. Like, I don't get it. So I, I understand. Yeah, I'm actually pretty okay with cats. Despite what it sounds like on this podcast with cats, dogs, and small children. Because I'm like, just get down to their level. So I play with, like, I'll chase them and I'll play this game I call Hit the Paw. Where I, like, sit down and try to tap That's their paw. That's such a good game. That's the best yeah. game. And I like to stare at them with my tongue out for some reason. Like. I feel like cats get really into staring contests. They do. I'm a big fan of string. I'm always just a classic person. Like, I love I love the yeah. string chase. I don't do the string. I just literally chase them, though, sometimes. Yeah. Like, if they're, like, young and they, like, you know how they run up and down the halls like a crazy Cat thing? derby. Yeah, I'll just run with them. Yeah. That's what we're doing now. <laughs> Are we running? Great. This is running time? I do the same thing with children. <laughs> My friend had a cat. Like, it was a little cat. It was a little, little young cat, and it was also just a runt cat. And its hobby was, there was, like, a spiral staircase up to the second level of their apartment, and the cat's hobby was to go to the balcony on the second level and jump on your head when you were on the first level. It's actually pretty funny. This was very scary the first time it happened because you suddenly had a cat that landed on your shoulder very hard. Sure, no The problem was that. the cat, it was cute at first, but then the cat got bigger. No, that's even funnier. Did yeah. knock people down? Oh, completely. Yeah. This cat was basically just, like, a dive-bombing cat. Like, you would yeah. just be out of nowhere, like, cat. And, you know, they weren't able to successfully train the cat not to, so they eventually moved into a one-floor apartment just so the cat would stop this. Oh, I was hoping you'd say, like, they eventually became a crime fighter. <laughs> that was their weapon, is they'd throw the cat at, like, bank robbers. I mean, you could basically throw the cat like a Pokeball. It would be fine. Yeah. The cat was, the cat was a very much an aerial artist. The cat was very into the jumping arts. Anyway, so this book happened. Yeah. I like the parts where he talks about how he doesn't know where he's going. And, like, I mean, obviously, again, before, like, Google Maps or whatever. But he doesn't even attempt to look at, like, any sort of map. No. And he's just, like, like, at this one part, there's a whole plot line about how he's trying to get to Fulton Street. And so he gets on a bus that says Avenue C. And he's like, I don't know. They seem like they're probably near each other, right? Spoiler alert, they are not. But also, I was like, I kind of get it, because that's kind of how I operate in big cities, too. <laughs> like, especially ones I've never been to, where I'll be like, well, I mean, I know it's east, so I'm just gonna, like, walk down this street, because I'm sure it goes east, and then the street, like, curves, and I'm like, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> I feel like it's definitely that way of getting around that I also really related to. I'm like, yeah, sometimes you just give it a shot. Google Maps has made us weak. I did judge him a little because I feel like city kids should know their way around a little better. I get that it's, like, Alphabet City or whatever and you don't live there, but, like, he lives pretty close. Like, he lives next in, like, the 20s, like just south of Union Square, so it's not that far. I don't know where that is. <laughs> uh, there's one part where I thought of you because he said something about this new friend he makes at school, Ben. They have to go, like, do a report on an animal that's in New York City. And so, like, they go to this park way out in the Bronx, I yeah, believe. because they're going, they go to the zoo first. He's like, like, lots of city kids who haven't been in the country much. He's crazy about nature. <laughs> that made me think of you. <laughs> you and your Thanks. nature books. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I, like I keep saying, I enjoyed his dad a lot, actually. I enjoyed their relationship and how it grew, like... You know, there's a part near the end where that girl that he likes, who he's been trying not to ask for her number... He's just been, like, pretty much just nervous about it. Yeah. So instead, it's been things like, we'll meet on this day in three weeks in the morning. Which is the <laughs> worst plan. Yeah, it really is. Um, but at one point, she does figure out his number. Like, he later learns that she looked it up in the phone book. Yeah. <laughs> um, and she calls him, but she's calling him because she's, like, basically, like, 
at a Macy's and got separated from her mom and, like, has too much, like, needs help, basically. Yeah. Like, she ran out of money. She's, like, at Macy's. Her mom's supposed to pick her up but isn't appearing. And so, yeah, she's like, yeah, so, give me a hand. So she calls him and he's, like, panicking because, like, she's like, and my coin's about to run out and, like, blah, blah, blah. And he, like, immediately just, like, turns around and starts yelling at his dad, like, what do I do? <laughs> and I thought that was cute that, like, he trusted him enough to be like, I don't know what to do. I need to ask my dad. Mm-hmm. And then his dad was immediately just like, get the number of the cell or the payphone. And then call it back. And he was also like, like he was amazed that you could call back a payphone, which like I kind of was too, but I was also kind of like, but I also don't really like. Wait, you've never called a payphone before? No. Weird. It's not that weird. <laughs> so there's a lot of reasons you call a payphone. One is because you know someone is near the payphone you want to call. So you call them because they you know they're near it. Or in case like this, their money's running out. Like, you do a collect call and you leave your name as the number for it and they call you the... So the other reason is also you are pranking people. And sometimes that involves calling payphones to see who picks up. I never did that because that sounds like a nightmare. Because, like, I am not... I don't like the idea of talking on phones to strangers. At one point on the internet in the 90s, there was a uh, one website released uh, a list of phone numbers for payphones in all the major league ballparks i'm putting that out there and not continuing the story <laughs> do you think those payphones even still exist mostly no yeah i was like i guess i didn't grow up where i knew my friends would be hanging out near payphones often they usually were near like like a house with a landline. yeah but like sometimes there was a situation where like you're meeting up with someone, like, you sort of, like, plan their kind of near payphone, so, like, you know, for the meetup point, because you really know that you need to maybe be able to call the people meeting up. It was really hard before cell phones, because normally you just were like, if I can't make it or something comes up or I'm late, no one will ever know. There's no way to communicate this information. I've I, never, I knew the, I knew the numbers tried. for the, the mall payphones near me. I don't think, well, I also grew up in a place where, like, we're not meeting up at the mall, because we would obviously just drive to the mall together, because the mall's an hour drive away. Oh. So you have the opposite problem of we all live far from each other, but the mall was kind of a central location. Yeah, I grew up in, like, a small town, so... I grew up by a mall. Spent a lot of time in the mall. It was a very bad mall. Sounds sad. I did not spend a lot of time I think you mean awesome. Mall trolling was the best. Uh, I deeply missed that point in my life. I didn't do that. I heard that was a thing, though, with people. I pretty much only went to the mall with my parents, though, too. Oh, or, like, God. Like, my that sounds terrible. I mean, it was so far away. By the time you could drive there with your friends, because they could drive, you don't want to go to the mall. You want to go somewhere better. Yeah. No, that's how we spent most of junior high, was hanging out at the mall and then hanging out at the movie theaters. There is a quote I like that I want to share that is actually the first line in the book, and it reminded me, like, the second I read it, I was like, I know why I love this book. My father is always talking about how a dog can be very educational for a boy. This is one reason I got a cat. I'm like, that says so much about Dave. And I read that and I was like, just like taken back into this book. And I was like, I remember just loving Dave so much and just wanting to be Dave. That level of contrariness against your parents is immediately perfect. I have this quote. It's a conversation between Dave and his kind of like jerk friend who eventually kind of drops Mm -hmm. Nick. Um, And it's mostly just like, this is the kind of like slang and sass that you get in this book. Uh, Nick opens his Coke. You know those girls we ran into over on Coney Island, he says? Yeah. Well, I got the blonde's phone number, so Sunday when I was hacking around with nothing to do, I called her up. Yeah? What for? You stupid or something? To talk. So she yacked away for a good while, and finally I asked her why didn't she come over next Sunday? We'd go to a movie or something. Yeah. I was working on my pair, a very juicy one. 
that all you can say? So she says, well, she might if you can get her girlfriend to come too, but she doesn't want to come alone and her mother wouldn't let her anyway. And then this continues. But it's just like, it's a good like rhythm. And there's like, not like crazy slang, but just things like he says, she yapped away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, uh, I was hacking around with nothing to do. Just like their tone and the way they talk and stuff. It's like, it's very, it feels like authentic to this era. He calls him a cheapskate a lot, which is funny to me, because it's such like an old-timey word to me, but it's like, oh yeah, that was what kids would say, though, back then. There's also this paragraph later on when Dave is talking to Tom, Mm -hmm. and Tom's talking about how helpful Dave's dad has been, like, helping him out and stuff. Uh, i just been down to see your dad. He's quite a guy. Huh? You got sunstroke or something? Didn't he read you about ten lectures on healthy living, honest effort, baseball, and long walks with a dog? <laughs> uh, my favorite random insult in this is when he's talking to his new friend, Ben, and at one point when they go for their project to learn about animals, uh, they get a couple salamanders or some newts, or salamanders. They find some salamanders, and Ben adopts them, and they put them in a box in the same room as Cat. As you all know, never do that. Uh, so Cat kills one of the salamanders because Cat is a cat. And uh, Dave's pretty, you know, of course, it's a cat. That's what he does. Ben is very upset about this. Um, and at one point, uh, Dave is reading a book about cats and they, sort of about them as animals and that cats are, you know, domesticated wild cats. And that's why they're independent pets with wild instincts. And it uh, says, I call up Ben to read him this. And he says, you and your lousy carnivore. My salamander is an amphibian. Amphibians are the ancestors of all the animals on Earth. Even you and your cat, you sons of toads. I'm like, oh man, sons of toads is a very great insult. That is really great. We're all the children of amphibians. Even our cat. (laughs) I suppose that's true. Don't know enough to refute it, so. Yeah, that's all I got. That's all I got. Any more quotes? No. Alright, so, ratings then. I would give this a five. I thought it was fine. It was a quick, like, interesting read. You know, if you want something that's kind of, like, easy, breezy, like, again, like a charming period piece, like, what it's like to be, like, a nice boy living in New York <laughs> in the 60s. Um, that sounds lame to call him that, but I mean, like, he is, like, a type of boy. Like, he's sassy and he gets in a fight with his friend at one point, but for the most part, he thinks about other people's feelings and is, like... He's a nice kid. yeah. It was nice, and it was pretty short. You know, you can breeze through it. So, it was fine. But I also don't think I personally will ever read it again. (laughs) You know, it was, like, nice. Like a picnic or something. Mm -hmm. We're just like, hmm. I'm gonna give it, um... I'm gonna give it a seven. Intellectually, I should probably give it a six or six and a half, but my heart gives it a seven, (laughs) because it's a charming book, and it's a nice boy living a nice life in the city. I just find it so charming and delightful, and it's so pleasant, and it is a breezy read. Literally everything you said, but with more enthusiasm behind the words. <laughs> um, everything you say as a negative, I say as a beautiful positive. Like a negative? I mean, but indifferent. Everything you yeah. say as an indifferent, I say as, like, a positive outlook. It's just charming. It's seven points of charming. So, yeah, I would I would recommend it to anyone that wants, you know, a nice, relaxing little, like, chill read if you have a kid that likes cats. Yeah, this is probably a really good one if you're the kind of parent who, like, 
literally reads out loud to your children before they're like old enough or maybe just on the cusp like i could see this being a really nice book like the chapters are short enough and like simple enough that you could get through like a chapter a night really easy like it's a nice chill book before bed like this might be a good like read out loud to a child book yeah Oh, yeah, I think that'd be great. And especially because it does have such a strong voice to it, I could see it being a fun, fun book to read out loud. Yeah. Especially all the fun, the fun slang. Yeah. So, yeah, that would be my rec. Great. So, yeah, overall, um, I think we both had slightly different experiences with it, but I think there is a sense of enjoyment somewhere here. Um, So thanks, everyone, for joining us once again. Uh, We'll be back in two weeks. We'll be going the opposite of this book into a deep dive alternate world uh we're gonna be doing philip pullman's the golden compass or uh northern lights if you are not in the united states um if you... i would not say it's the opposite because the golden compass still has some animals in it that's true okay fine spoiler slightly different um <laughs> slightly different from this um uh, i wouldn't call it light and breezy though no no you're right there yeah thought so um anyway if you want to get in touch with us and tell us if you love cats if you want to send me pictures of your cat um, <laughs> i really love cats okay um uh, my deep dark secret that everyone knows i love cats um we can be reached at throwbackbookstack at gmail.com uh we are also on the twitter so if you want to be on the twitter with us uh we are at throwback bs pod if you like this podcast, you know, go on to iTunes and give us a rating and say that you like us and think that you also enjoy cats. Uh, if you don't like us, I don't know why you just listen to 40 minutes of this podcast. There's other podcasts. We can wreck you lots of really good podcasts. You know, Happily Ever Aftermath. Very good. Like, if you actually, we are also members of the Lady Pod Squad, which is a great group of um, female podcasters. So if you are interested in other podcasts that women are creating and producing, um, go to Twitter, check out the hashtag LadyPodSquad and, you know, discover some new podcasts. There's some really fun ones happening out there. Um, I kind of love everyone in this hashtag. It's a beautiful world of fantastic content. Um, other than that, I hope you all enjoy yourselves. Go outside, pet a cat, pet lots of cats, befriend all cats. Everything is cats. See you in two weeks. I don't agree with this advice. (laughs) Don't pet feral cats. <laughs> Alright. Cats. Who are they? Where do they come from? Do they follow boys around? How fancy are these boys? These and more questions will be answered today <laughs> on Legally Blonde the Musical, the podcast. New, 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 new. Also, we're the X Files. I'm glad that we think we're funny. <laughs>